0: sexual health how can
5: relationships, how can evolve, relationships with evolve with people as they grow and, and change, grow and change. Uh, yeah,
1: good evening everyone Hello. Hi. Hi. nice to have everyone hi guys oh this is a new setup i like this new setup i get yes. to see everyone around i like it welcome everyone
5: my name is effie effie blue So my name is Jacqueline Misla. We'll do formal introductions in a little bit. Beforehand, I want to give you a sense of the structure. Um, So as a part of doing this work, I do lots of other things, including facilitating. And so I know sometimes walking into a room with a circle can feel really intimidating. So I want to explain out what's happening tonight. So generally we do, on the first Wednesday of every month, we do panel discussions. And we decided to do something a little different this time around. So we're going to be having a facilitated dialogue as opposed to a panel discussion. And there are two reasons for that. One is, the impetus is that um, many of our seasoned foxes that we would generally have for our panels were at Burning Man. And so... (laughs) Many of them are still dusty, are in the post-burn kind of recovery phase. and But that actually created a great opportunity for us because we have been hearing from folks for a while that they wanted more of a discussion opportunity. They wanted some events where not only were we listening to people tell their stories, but we were telling our stories and asking questions and having dialogue and learning from the people in the room. And so this felt like a fantastic opportunity to do just that. And so as a result of that, I'm going to share with you a little bit about what we're thinking in terms of structure. Um, we, um, are, you're going to get all the things that you normally get from a panel, so you're going to get personal stories and practical tips and camaraderie and moments of clarity and asking questions and having answers, and on top of that, we're going to have an extra thing, which is you, and we get to hear your stories and your personal questions, and you get to ask things to the expert and have your questions answered. Um, and we will have an opportunity to really share out what are our struggles and the lessons learned. Sometimes we come to events and we hear all the best practices and we don't have an opportunity to say, this thing is really hard and it feels like it sucks. And so we wanted to create space where we can say, this is really hard and it feels like it sucks. And you have a room full of people being like, yes, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's true. Um, and, let, and, and this is how I got through that moment. And so we wanted to create that space And so Effie and I are going to facilitate the conversation. We're going to share our own stories and struggles and lessons learned. And then we are going to create opportunities for everyone else to weigh in um, and share what is both weighing you down and lifting you up about this thing that we call love and relationships. So if you are new, Curious Fox is a community that is dedicated to challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. Our work centers around changing the noise. And... So that more and more people can, can attend and read and hear and watch stories that give them both permission and inspiration to see other options outside of the status quo that, and the uh, prescribed ways of love and relationship that we receive growing up in society. And so this space is just for you to hear other options and go, huh, I didn't know that was a thing. Or like you're doing that and, and it's working? Huh right? So inspiration, possibility to see things that are different. Not only can you find that in this space, in this room, but you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at wearecuriousfoxes.com. So a little bit about us. Um, So
1: uh, my name is Effie Blue. As I said, I'm a relationship coach. Um, I predominantly work with people who are navigating, curious about, or transitioning into open relationships. Um, So that's kind of what I do by day. Uh, I'm also the founder of Curious Fox. Um, Curious Fox came from a desire for for a need for community to to do this work with other people um and that's why this happened and i'm always grateful for people turning up uh, i also um uh, created a workshop and then wrote a book on play parties so if you're interested in exploring sex parties um i have uh some material called play party etiquettes and we're about to launch the second edition this beautiful illustrated version of it that um it's going to be available uh,
5: middle of this month, so we're really excited. Um, that's kind of my world. Um, my name is Jacqueline Misla. Again, I am the Chief Operating Officer or the Chief of Operations of Foxes. What's my title? <laughs> Chief Fox Chief of Operations. Chief Fox of Operations. Um, essentially, I manifest the dream. So Effie dreams it up, and I figure out how to make it happen. Um, in my nine-to-five-day job, I'm a chain strategist. Um, I work with organizations and agencies around navigating through change. I also do that with people one-on-one, so I'm a coach. I work a lot with folks who are in change and transition in their careers, and oftentimes that those career conversations are really a gateway to larger conversations around life changes that people want to have. And so we talk about all the ways in which we have built lives around what we were told we were supposed to do and how we certainly we get to a point where the voice inside is finally loud enough for, for us to hear that we don't want to do it that way anymore. But we don't know how to navigate past that. And so I do that one-on-one, and I, I've founded an organization that specifically focuses on supporting women around all of the prescribed roles that we are given and how do we navigate past those roles and craft our own paths. And so in addition to doing this work, we do that, and the through line of all the things that you've heard us talk about is that we believe in the possibility and potential of thriving outside of all of the structured ways that we have been told, and we want to create spaces and dialogue for people to tap into their curiosity and have discussion and learn from each other about those ways. And so that's us. And now we want to hear about you. Yeah,
1: exactly. You've heard a lot from us. Uh, We're going to take a breather and and add some new voices into the conversation. So what I'd love to do is pass this mic around. uh, And if you can just a nice sort of structure is your name. your preferred pronouns because we want to be inclusive. What brought you here today? Why this topic? If it's particularly the topic that you're here, um, your relationship design as it is today. So who you're dating, who do you want to date, are you solo, are you looking
5: to date? Something that gives us an idea of like where you are in your relationship journey. So name, pronouns, what brought you here, a question that you have or something, and your relationship design. Is that okay?
4: Okay, great.
1: I'm going to start this
5: way.
4: Yeah. All right. What's up? My name is Hashim. Um... What's the pronoun? He, I guess. <laughs> and, and uh yeah, what brought me here was um like I la- always like this event. This event is cool. And I learned a lot from here, so I wanted to come through to check it out. This is my wife, Robin, next to me. And you know, we were talking about this topic actually a few times. So I was like, let's uh let's go here and check it out. Right.
7: Uh I'm Robin. She. Um, what brought me here? I've been trying to get to these events as much as possible, which means like a few times a year, but still come. Mm -hmm. And uh, relationship design, Hashim and I have been married for five years, we've been together over 10 years, and uh, never monogamous, And, and in the last, I think, four years we've really, I've really been learning a lot more about what that means, and we've been exploring with help from communities. Uh, how to do that in a way that's healthy and feels good.
8: Hi, my name is Jim. And I'm a school teacher. I do this circle formation (laughs) a lot. uh, So I feel right at home. Um, But I'm not at work. Um, Today... I was describing something my wife is working on. She's working on a book, and the teacher I was talking to just turned to me at one point and said, Jim, when you talk about your wife, it sounds like you have the most vibrant and wonderful relationship, and part of that is because we're here. She's at a writer's conference, and... The fact that we've gone through the work of adding this to our lives has just had exponential, wonderful effects on the kind of people we are.
9: Wow. Um, I'm not used to being in circles. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but my name's Barbara, and I've come to a bunch of Curious Foxes, and I like them because they're really teach me a lot. I mean, I've been in poly relationships before, but I feel like I'm always learning and I'm she, she. Um and this subject actually was very interesting to me because I think it's a good question when you're not married or um have a primary partner how you how you fit into relationships that are well established. And I thought it would be a very interesting subject. So, thank you.
10: Hi, uh Justin uh, for me, what brought me to Curious Fox and this event specifically is that my partner and I have been an open uh, relationship, non-monogamous like, sexually, but romantically, we just don't understand like the, the poly side at all. So I'm just trying to to really get that perspective because I just don't empathize with it right now. And I just moved over to, uh, to New York City from D.C. So I'm really just trying to make friends, understand the scene, and just meet new folks. Hi,
7: I'm Caitlin. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. Um, I am not in any long-term relationships right now. Um, I'm dating here and there, um, but I'm trying to figure out what um, ethical non-monogamy means for me. Um, it's something that I've uh, been interested in. It makes sense um, for me, I think, but I um, I need to know more about it. And um, I'm dating some folks who are um non-monogamous and so I'm um and, and I'm really enjoying it. Um and I don't know if you know I want a primary partner. Um I don't know if something non-hierarchical would work for me, but I I didn't want to learn more and my friend brought me here. So I'm okay, here. Thanks.
0: I'm uh David and I'm sitting to the right of uh my lovely wife over here. Um uh, so we we've been uh together ten years, uh married five and open for four. Um, and, uh, similar to Jim, I would say it has had, uh, exponentially positive, uh, benefits effects on our relationship. And at the same time, I feel like we're still learning. So I'm, I'm here. I'm curious about, um, the hierarchy versus we, we like to think of ourselves in terms of the relationship structure as hierarchical. Um, but I'm curious to learn more about the different, uh, arrangements and how it all works and, um, just learn more because we're constantly, uh, learning together
9: hi i'm laura uh and it's she her uh and i i think that david covered most of it but um yeah i think that throughout the past four years there's been like a lot of there's been challenges and a lot of growth and that's one of the primary reasons that i'm uh, ethically non-monogamous and poly and um, i just am including more education within that growth um as well as you know that, the, that growth that I get from my partners and my husband. Hi, I'm Virginia,
7: and um, uh, she, her. And I learned about these events and I try to come to them when I can. I'm not in town a lot. So I saw this and I was like, I can make it. And the topic also was interesting um, for me. I've been married eight years, been with my husband for probably almost 19, 20 years. And we opened our relationship up. We had the conversation about four years ago. And kind of completely on our own. I heard about it through my sister's, like, friend. And I was like, what does this mean? And I looked it up and I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Um, So we kind of, I've been, I I don't know. I just did it on my own and didn't really have a lot of people to talk to. Um, I actually live in Boston. But I work in New York. So... um, so it was actually kind of cool to come when i'm in new york when you started this and a friend introduced me to i was like oh okay cool i need to meet some people find a community um so in terms of i guess the structure what what i have right now i have a boyfriend it's been about three years my husband has a girlfriend and um i i love her it's amazing and um my boyfriend is awesome and and i kind of didn't like this idea of hierarchy it just I kind of wanted it to be a little more like a like a circle you know so I don't I don't really know exactly what we're doing we're still learning constantly um and trying to figure it out and like you know trying to figure out how what would happen when we start dating new people that kind of a thing but um the hierarchy is a hard thing and I also I also have a six-year-old so with my husband and. Um, I don't like having people above people, it's weird, but in a weird way, you kind of, you have to put some certain people above, so I don't really understand what I'm gonna do, so. So I thought it'd be kind of cool. <laughs> We're just going with the flow, <laughs> kind of, and dealing with problems, and um, working together, <laughs> so.
11: Kind of in your river on that flow. Um, peace, my name is Doc Uh been married seven years my wife and i have been together nine we just opened up three months ago so things like brand spanking new um curious fox was like i guess she did an event two months ago and that was like the first thing I, I was like i am i just it in theory or do i need to go do something so and it was fantastic i actually learned that night i had so many amazing conversations that i just really like talking to people and connecting to people and i've sh- created a life for myself where pretty much everybody in my life is dope and no drama and like witches and sages. And, you know, it's amazing. But then I was like, oh, I'm talking to new people and I'm realizing it's still a small circle. So I've just been having a lot of fantastic conversations and, um, and learning about myself, (laughs) you know, and, and so it's been interesting and cool and I'm just trying to learn a lot more. And so, I think three times in the last week, the word hierarchy and non-hierarchy came up, either in podcasts or friends of mine talking about it. And I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. So it's just time to come find out.
0: Hi,
7: my name is Luciana. She. Uh, I'm from Brazil. I
4: just moved to New York last week.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm used with circles, but not in English. <laughs>
1: um one of the reasons that I fall in love for New York for it was because I see a lot of opportunities just to decolonize myself, and this is one of the most challenged issues to talk about.
2: So I'm glad to be here, and thank you, Gabriela, for letting me know that
1: it existed. Thank you.
9: Hello, um, I'm Gabriela, pronounced she and her. I'm also Brazilian, but I've been living in the U.S. for um, in New York for five years now. Um I was the person who brought Luciana to come and I think I speak very highly of my experience living in New York because of the opportunities and the um the new world views I gain and the layers I discover that exist that I didn't even know existed um and one of the things that excites me about living here and that I make a point of enjoying even though I have a quite demanding like all consuming job is sex and relationships so, the world of kink parties, for example, the Facebook of fetish, fet life, like all those things, they feel like a sexual revolution to me. And I feel like I'm at the center of it. So, it's very exciting. And um, I have been polyamorous already in the last few years, although new at it, not knowing what I was doing. But I've been a, uni- a unicorn to a couple um, for six months. And we discussed hierarchy a lot because on my day job, I'm, well, my job. I'm a lawyer. I'm a human rights lawyer. So um, to me, non-monogamy and polyamory only make sense if the pursuit is everyone's liberty and everyone being respected. Um, And so that has to be understood and has to be the goal for everyone in the relationship. So from the very beginning, when I entered this non-monogamous relationship, I started having discussions about how much of a voice I would get in making up the rules. Like, am I allowed as a unicorn to go on dates individually with the man and the, the woman? Do I always have to be with both people. Um, and creating spaces for that and challenging some of the rules they had. And so th- these are conversations I've had. Um, I'm now not in that relationship, but it's, yeah, it's fascinating to be in a group where people are thinking about these things and it's normal. So, yeah, thank you.
2: That was really interesting. Um, uh, my name is Kara and, uh, she, her. So my husband passed away six months ago and I've been working with Effie recently, just trying to figure out like, what's my design. It's a new world.
0: (laughs) I'm Nick. I'm a he. Um, I had the conversation with my wife uh, a few months ago, did not go well. Uh, so uh, right now we're uh, going through this trial period to see if, uh, if uh, what I find alluring, interesting, and uh, part of my identity is something that uh, can attract her. So for me, it's, um, it's an interesting fork in the road where if, uh, if we stay together, um, we'll have one sort of relationship. Uh, if, uh, if we are no longer together, then uh, maybe there's uh, other choices I can make. Um, so it's a very interesting topic for me to, to see how, how things might go and what uh, people's experiences are uh, one way or the other.
6: My name is Tiago, uh, also Brazilian. I, I'm a he. I've been married for about six years. We've been together for about 12. Open up for about an, one year now. Uh, also, it did not go well in the beginning, okay. it was not easy, but I felt like the more I studied, I read, I went into online forums, and then finally I've met Fox. All of that like helped me a lot, like getting information and sharing experience and hearing people's stories helped me a lot. And it ch- I feel like it changed not only my relationship, but it changed me as a person also. I'm also interested um, in in general in coming uh, to these events because of like the this idea of like building a community of people who go through the same struggles, who have the same problems, who share similar experience, hear what's working for people, what's not working. I have also a specific interest in hierarchical versus versus non hierarchical um, relationships because I I feel like being married for a long time, being together with my wife for so long, and opening up now. There's a kind of a, almost like a natural uh, hierarchy that, that develops. Like we have so much intimacy, and when we bring someone into our life, we need to be very careful uh, with like in respecting that this third like person's like needs and voice and all that. So I just want to try to be more aware of what are the the challenges in that sense.
0: Uh, my name is Richard Anton Diaz, and uh, Effie and Jackie will have to catch me up on the lingo of he she i'm not quite sure where that's about but we'll talk about that later uh, i i uh, founded this organization called sexy spirits in 1999 which is still in new york city and uh it's based basically on the premise that we are all at our essence uh infinite beings uh communicating and experiencing life as either a uh, a a body with a male reproductive system or a female with a female reproductive system So I'm gonna be very curious to hear, and I've already been curious to hear how men and women are expressing themselves because uh, I think that's the greatest game that we have being on this planet, born the way we are. Um, My history with relationship, I've had two decade-long marriages, uh, wonderful wives, and um, there's definitely an hierarchy as far as I'm concerned. When, even when I've had a uh, uh, next relationship, I've noticed that when they have uh, honored the relationships that came before me, that everything went smooth. When that honoring wasn't there, uh, things seemed to get in trouble. So I'm very curious to see how that is uh, going to be navigated in the polyamorous community. Um, I almost was just thinking as we were talking that uh, you know polyamory is almost like a monogamy stringed out and put all together in one time frame. If you think about it, because I'm I'm sure that is. As many as monogamous we might say we are, we've had more than one relationships with that person. So uh, polyamory is kind of an interesting state of being where we get to experience many many lifetimes, so to speak. So uh, it's a very interesting topic, and I'm very, very uh, curious to hear this, this topic and see how that all conforms to what I know.
2: Hey, I'm Sloan. I've been coming to Curious Fox events for I feel like a couple of years. I was introduced to non-monogamy a few years ago. I'd always been monogamous, always in long-term relationships that sort of got stale um, eventually um, and ended. And a few years ago, I started dating someone who introduced me to this concept. Um, He wasn't the right partner for me. There was a lot of non-consensual, non-monogamy going on. It was just historically a cheater. But um, during the course of trying to get my head around this concept of non-monogamy, to be able to give him what he wanted. I found Effie, I found Curious Fox, I found other other places and really did a lot of research and read a lot and um, went to events and made friends, some of whom are here, and talked to people about how their relationships work and how non-monogamy worked for them. And it really resonated with me. Um, two had known since I was very, very young that I was bisexual, and I never felt, you know, being a woman who's, I'm 52, you know, I came of age in the 70s and 80s, and there wasn't really a space to even use that word. You couldn't say to anyone, I'm bisexual, or I couldn't growing up in California in the 70s and 80s. I never told a soul, really. It's like you had to be one thing or the other, and if you liked them both, you just had to choose the path of least resistance, the easier path, and so I chose to always be with men and sort of like look at women longingly across a room and go like, yes, that, I'm missing that. Um, so, you know, when when this partner introduced me to this world, it really resonated for me. It was like, oh, my God, I could, there's a world in which I could possibly be my whole self. I could express my entire self. Um, and you know, it also resonated because I don't only have one friend I want to see and hang out with and have dinner with. I have many friends and they don't have a hierarchy. They're all important to me. Um, I love and care about them all. And I sort of am really, so for the last year plus, since that relationship ended, I've been, you know, exploring being poly and dating multiple people and, um, you know, in a really ethical way where they all know about each other. And at the moment, my relationship structure is by default, non-hierarchical. I mean, I'm basically solo poly and I'm, I have a couple of partners who don't live in the same place. So by default, there is no hierarchy between them. There's, you know, it's like when I'm in this place, I get to see that one. And when I'm in this place, I get to see that one. And, um, and so I don't, think of either of them as more important to me than the other and there's space for more people I just don't have a lot of time um I don't really f- I feel like non hierarchical non monogamy really works for me and um I am my primary partner that's really important to me right now like I've really been spending a lot of time developing a relationship with myself and knowing myself and loving myself, and I feel like, you know, I have a primary partnership with myself, so I come first, like, the hierarchy is me, and then everyone else, Um so, and I don't know if, you know, I met someone who wanted to have a hierarchy, I, w- I was seeing somebody for a bit who had a primary partner they lived with, and when they started to have problems, like real problems with their polyamorous journey, I decided to step away from from dating the partner that I was dating just because I didn't feel comfortable being um, in the midst of a, you know, dating someone who was going, was really not in a good place in their primary relationship. So um, there was a hierarchy there for them um, and that I was not, you know, a primary partner and I was fine with that. I didn't really care. But, you know, I felt like all of my partners are sort of on the same plane when I'm with them. They're really important to me and I care about them and I'm interested to hear from them and I'm interested to see them. But when I'm with the other person, that's where my focus is. Like, I don't, so I don't know what that means, but it could change. And I'm interested to hear more because I know that that's pretty rare that most people feel like they're you know, they want a primary partner,
5: I think. So anyway, that's me. So I think we should introduce ourselves in the same way, maybe tell a little bit of our, and then I'll talk through some themes, and if you want to introduce yourself, you can't, you don't have to eat fast. Um So my name is Jackie. My entryway into Curious Fox was actually as a client of Effie's. Um, my So I've been non-monogamous my whole life. Um, I've always known it, I never had the language for it. Um, up until I was married, before i have an eight-year-old with my ex-husband and we were together for 13 years and every relationship including that one i had broached the subject of non-monogamy again not having that language but saying what if you did other things and like i did other and then we like told each other about it and it'd be amazing. and they were like mm, no and i'm like no no maybe maybe i misunderstood i didn't say it the right way i was like but what if like you go out and do your thing and then it's fine and then you come back and you tell me and I'm fine. And they're like, no. And i are like, well maybe I didn't see it the right way. Um, and that just kept happening. And then, so if that was one of the reasons at some point towards the end of our, our marriage, that and lots of other reasons led to us deciding that we wanted to live in two different ways. I got remarried. I've been in a relationship now um, for seven years with my wife, similarly to some of the folks in the room. Not only did I always know I was, I was uh, non-monogamous, I've always known that I was attracted to multiple genders. That's, uh, for a very long time, that didn't feel like an option for me. And so all the things kind of opened up in the same way at the same time. Um, we've always been non-monogamous. That was a part of our re- very original conversation. So we've been together for about seven years, open for about four. I introduced it into the relationship. And she was the one who actually kind of opened it And then it did not feel like I thought it was going to feel after, you know, 30 plus years of saying, like, we can do this thing. And I was like, wait, this is what it is. This is terrible. And it was really hard. Um, And there were pivotal moments about specifically about hierarchy. I went to a Curious Fox event and someone brought up with my wife and someone brought up the topic of relationship anarchy and non-hierarchy. And on the drive home, my wife is like, yes, that's amazing. And I was horrified. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. We're like, maybe we're connecting with other people, going to a part, like, we're not doing that thing. And she's like, no, we're going to do that thing. And um, we start to go to Effie to talk that through. If you've listened to the podcast, I'm happy to share it again at some point. It's a very infamous Christmas story around the topic of hierarchy um, we had the top we had the conversation right before we were hosting all of our family for Christmas um, it was, she said it, she, she had started a relationship similarly started non non consensually I think she had had a habit of having uh, of cheating as many of us have and are trying to explore and navigate our curiosity for other people while trying to fit into the box. And even though we were in a different construct, those habits died hard. And so as a result, that relationship started off in that way, which led kind of bad feelings. And so when that relationship grew to a point where she said, I would really want this to be non-hierarchical, and because I, I love her in the same way I love you, I said Christmas was canceled. And said that that was it. We're not hosting family, right? You can't have non-hierarchy and presence. That just feels, that feels real greedy. That feels greedy. And we we had like an emergency FaceTime session with Effie. Um, And the diligent person I am, we would come to sessions and I would have notes prepared in advance. And one time Effie was like, well, did you talk about this? I said, we did. I'm gonna break out the flip chart paper. And I unfolded the flip chart paper for where we had to. So there was always I really, in the in the same way that you guys have talked about, really rooted myself in the education around this and really tried to understand it here so that eventually I could understand it here. Um, and almost a year to the day from that Facebook Christmas chime emergency call, I had my very first video meeting with my new collaborator around Curious mm-hmm. Fox. During the course of that year, we did a lot of personal work. I did a lot of personal work. We're in an amazing place. Happy to talk to you all about that stuff at some point point. Um, and founded my own organization. And in the, in the work of that, came to Effie to talk about the work she was doing. After that meeting, she called me and said, you need to be involved in this work. Mm-hmm. And that was about eight months ago. Mm-hmm. And so I have been helping manifest this dream from as somebody who needed it and who benefited from it and now can help provide it and share with with other folks um and so i do have a, another partner now that we've been together for about eight months and i was horrified at non-monogamy until so my new partner was like we should do non-monogamy i mean not non-monogamy i was i was horrified about non-hierarchy and then my new partner was like well i don't want there to be rules and we should be and i was like oh, okay and like suddenly <laughs> then it was fine um so i can talk to you more about that too so i have a non hierarchical relationship with my wife in that i i love her i actually spent my time um, because I share custody with with of my daughter, I have a week on and off. So the week that I have my daughter, I'm with my wife. The week that I don't have my daughter, I'm with my other partner. And But my partner and I, my girlfriend and I, have a hierarchical relationship. So she wants to be the primary in that dynamic, even though she is equal in the other dynamic. And so that is also very complicated. And there's natural hierarchy that exists because I'm a parent and because I cohabitate with somebody and we are married. So we can talk and explore that a little bit. So that's me
1: good story i was like hearing a story it's fun um, also like, i love that she thinks like
7: it's funny because she's yeah. like on the other end of the christmas call she's
5: like that was funny
1: now i can say that at yeah. the time i remember hanging out and going wow well, okay <laughs> that's, that's gonna true. be fun yeah but you guys pulled through you guys did well you're doing great yeah. um so a little about myself um uh, besides my work how i came to this is my own journey um so effie blue she her um, I have a history of serial infidelity, so I cheated on pretty much all of my partners um, previously, including my husband, um, which, you know, ended up ending that that, that, that relationship. And it was, um, I cheated in, it was in an interesting way, it was never when I wasn't happy People always assume like cheating happens when you're not happy and you're looking for somewhere else. For me, it wasn't like that. I was actually I would cheat when I was the most happy, most settled, felt comfortable, and I felt mostly in love. Um, and in that sort of height of like this is amazing, I would get this idea that I want to explore. Like I just it felt like the switch would go off, and I'm like I want to now I want to explore. And I just now obviously retrospectively I can make sense of it, but at the time it was it it felt like um I was driven, I was compelled to like start exploring. Um, and then it would, you know, I would go and cheat and I would, it never sat right with me because that's not what I wanted to do. Like I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to be a cheater. So I would at some point confess. Um, and then when I confessed, there were tears and and heartache and, you know, it would end and then I would go, okay, I'm not going to do that again. But it was like rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, um, over and over again. And at some point I was like, this is not working. I am not good at relationships. I no longer want to be in a relationship at all. Um I don't want to hurt anyone anymore, I don't want to hurt myself anymore. So I kind of jumped ship and decided that I was not going to be in a relationship. Uh and and poured myself into my career, which uh was great for my bank account, uh not so great for my heart. Um so I spent a decade um traveling the world with my previous career. So I was I was living in Asia and Africa and it was a great Opportunity and a good reasoning and good rationale to why I didn't have relationships. So, when people were like, Oh my god, you're not dating anyone? You're like, You haven't dated anyone for a long time. I'm like, I'm traveling the world. Look at my life. It's amazing. Uh, but ultimately, I just couldn't reconcile how I could have a relationship where I didn't hurt people. Um, my travels brought me to New York and a bunch of things collided, and I um, almost literally stumbled into the non monogamous sex positive community. Um, I was like bouncing around, trying to like figure a bunch of things out, mostly around my sexuality. So I was exploring kink. I was exploring um, uh, this like non-traditional sexual expressions. And as I was navigating that world, I like stumbled into this community and it was like a light bulb that went on. I was like, oh, it's not that I'm not good at relationships. I'm just not good at this one type of relationship. And look, here are a bunch of people that are doing it differently and they seem pretty normal. At the time that was my rationale, I was like, they seem normal. They, you know, they happy and they have multiple relationships. And, you know, um, you know, it's working. Like, what's up with that? And um, I'm a natural nerd. Um, I like to dive into things um, and not only dive into things and learn for myself, but then I have to like, write manuals and write books and write worksheets for everybody else. That I think, um, So I kind of, uh, as I delved into it, um, trying to figure things out for myself, I realized there was nobody else. Like, weren't, there were only a handful of books, um, which were, didn't quite resonate with me exactly. Um, so I, as I sort of figured things out for myself, I came up with this idea, oh, this philosophy that is relationship by design. Um, And the idea is to design relationships in a way that you can thrive without necessarily adhering to the one size fits all subscription, the prescription that society gives us. Um, And I was fortunate. I, you know, found this community, which also allowed me a period of time of um, trial and error and testing things. So what is it like? to um, be a secondary partner if if I'm with somebody who's already in a relationship like what did, what would that what would that feel like? like how would I handle jealousy where you know what would that look like for me or what would it be like for me to date somebody and them dating somebody else um, what is it like being in a triad you know can really three people coexist and, and thrive um, so I literally just sort of went into relationships thinking oh how does this work for me how's this work for me um, and Through that, I came up with this, like, my my design. Like, what does it look like when I'm thriving? Like, when Effie is thriving, what does it look like? What does it sound like? How do I feel? Um, What does my environment look like? What do I do? Um, And then, can I design my relationships with that as my North Star? Like, can I design my relationships so that they nurture the state of thriving? And can that be mutual? Like, can we find a mutuality in that? Um, And that's, that's how I ended up where I ended up, my relationship. So, currently... Um, I live with one of my partners. Uh, My other partner and his wife um, live on the first floor. So we live in a a sort of townhouse together. Um, So they live on the first floor. We live on the second floor. Um, We have some friends living on the third floor. um, So we're kind of in our building. Um, Our home is a clothing optional home. Um, Very new revelation. We're getting a baby. So my uh, boyfriend's wife is pregnant. So in January, we're going to have a baby. Um, so that's really exciting and new for us Um, and we've been doing that now for two years Um, my partner whom I live with we've been together for two years Um, my boyfriend who lives downstairs we've been together for five years Um, and we kind of live this you know um, co-living situation and it works for us Um, it is a hierarchical setup um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that um, and 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 about how hierarchy um you know how it plays out uh, and and it's not it's not as sort of scary and, and dictatorial as it sounds um it can sound um i've also been in a non hierarchical relationship in my in fact my first relationship um started hierarchical and shifted into a non hierarchical structure um and there was three of us um uh, it was it, it was beautiful it really was and eventually when we kind of disbanded we remain friends, and the reason why we disbanded was never the relationship structure. Uh, in fact, what made us last and persevere through some of the other struggles we had, some of the personal struggles we had, was that we were in a in this flat triad, um, And that third opinion, that that third um, uh, m- sometimes moderator th- that really helped um, helped that relationship, helped us thrive in that relationship. And I'll de- I'll delve into how that worked versus how my relationship works today in a minute. Um, so that's kind of how
5: my, what my journey looks like. So I think I'm going to share out some themes that I heard from around the room, and then we can kind of dive into burning questions and, and kind of piece it away and explore. So I heard that there may be a need or desire for some maybe basics of open poly 101, um, some conversations potentially around how to fit into existing relationships. So recognizing the existing connection and then how do we fit into that? I heard that there is then a desire as someone maybe who's going into a relationship to have voice and to create dynamics that feel liberating and rooted in growth. Um, I heard people talking about learning how to have healthy existing relationships, being interested in trying new things and exploring, understanding maybe some natural places of hierarchy when there's cohabitation or co-parenting. And then it was resonating kind of in the room around being here for education and personal growth and community. Did I get that right? Yes. yes? Okay, good. Okay, great. So uh, so let's start. I think we have some context to share. But before we do that, I want to see kind of burning question. Right. Like something that like and if and if that's not the case, we have so much that we want to share with you. But if there is something in the room that you feel like, hey, I've heard everyone's story. And this this question is now feeling like a distraction in my mind. And I want to I want to voice it to the room. All right. So maybe we'll start with some context and then. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, we'll definitely address non-hierarchy as well. And I can also, um, there are groups and um, uh, events and, and they're specifically for people who are practicing non-hierarchy and relationship anarchy, which I, I'm also going to mention um, so that we can have distinctions. Um, so there are there are smaller groups that are sort of embracing non-hierarchy and relationship anarchy. And we can definitely, I can definitely point in the right direction. Uh, and I can totally see how isolating it may feel. Um and we'll talk about why and and how even though when people say non-hierarchy or hierarchy that it it doesn't it's it doesn't always mean exclusion and we'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So should I just do the one on one? Okay. Let me just for those who are just opening out who are new, um let me just the overview of like non-monogamy one on one because um, there are also some language that um, people use uh, interchangeably. So I'm just going to give some di- distinctions and then we can take it from that. So if you think about um, monogamy and non-monogamy as these like two umbrella terms um, and monogamy, we know um, you're with one person at a time uh, and non-monogamy is when you, are, um, when you are exploring or you're being with multiple people um, y- while you're in a relationship. So under non-monogamy... Uh, the various structures that, um, that have names. So some of them is people who are talking about open relationships. And they tend to be in uh, an existing relationship. Um, and there is a, um, a partnership or a marriage, and they're but they're open to dating other people and they're open to being with other people. Um, that's kind of one side of it. And then you have all the way on the other side this idea of polyamory, right? A lot of people interchangeably use this idea of poly and open relationships. I'm just going to make the distinction so that when we go into things like hierarchy and non-hierarchy and relationship anarchy, we can have a bit of a map in our heads, right? Polyamory is multiple loving romantic relationships at the same time, right? So that's the way I think about it is people that you're with, that you're potentially um, invested in emotionally, maybe your future planning that you are, as you are conducting your life, you are, you know, those people are a, a fact, they, they're factored into your life. Um, and that's sort of polyamory. Now, statistically um polyamory is actually on the fringes it's actually rare um the true polyamory where people are in multiple long-term relationships most people who are exploring non-monogamy tend to be on the open side or at least that's where people start right um there's this idea of swinging swingers people always asking about swingers swinging um is an activity not really a relationship structure so you can be polyamorous and swing like fun thing to do you can go to a swingers party and swing with one of your partners right and there are people who are otherwise monogamous right but they kind of explore being with other people in a very um, restricted sexual context right so they'll um, sport fucking essentially so um and otherwise they might not be inve- in invested or interested in relationships friendships they're kind of just like being a couple that goes out and, and has sex with other couples um and that's that's still under the non-monogamy umbrella because you're essentially being with other people but it's an activity non-relationship structure does that make sense for everyone okay so um let's talk about hierarchy non-hierarchy um within that construct so in polyamory, when you have a multiple relationship, um, you have options of how they can look like. And a hierarchical polyamorous relationship where you prioritize um, certain relationships over others. So you can be married and be polyamorous. So your primary partner could be your wife, you could be your wife. You can have um, a partner that you live with, and they're a primary partner, and then your other partners are secondary or tertiary, depending on what you what your you know what your setup is. Now personally in my coaching practice I don't like that language because it it there it has a um it doesn't address I think what's core about hierarchy which is needs it kind of uh um comes up with this ranking system and immediately people are opposed to it, like who wants to be in second and You know, in line, right? It's not. It doesn't feel good. I and I don't think that when hierarchy is applied in a healthy way to support the relationships, I don't think it's about ranking people. It's about prioritizing needs, right? Uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. And we'll talk about that a little bit. So the language that I use in my practice is core relationships and auxiliary relationships, right? So your core relationship would be your primary partner, your primary relationship. And then the other relationships will be auxiliary relationships. And the other reason why I like using that language is that you're not talking about people. You're not saying this is my primary person, this is my secondary person. What you're saying is this, this relationship is my core relationship, and this relationship is an auxiliary relationship that also takes it away from this personal, like ranking people, which is what people often refer to and which is what people um, find difficult to sort of digest, right? In a non hierarchical situation, there's no prioritization. And the idea is that none of your relationships affect one another, and none of the relationships are prioritized over the other. There's this, like, flat system, a round table situation. Um, now, again, just polyamory itself is rare. Non-hierarchic polyamory is within that rare, right? And it, the, the sort of the very, very fringes is this idea of relationship anarchy, right? And has anybody heard of relationship anarchy? You guys have, yeah, yeah. So this idea of relationship anarchy. relationship anarchy is like when um, people who practice relationship anarchy do not prioritize any relationship, even friendships over sexual relationships. So in a hierarchical, in a, in a hierarchical polyamorous relationship, you are prioritizing your romantic relationships and then you're putting them in a, in, a, in a hierarchy of needs. Like these are my core relationships, these are my auxiliary relationships. In a non-hierarchical situation... Uh, Polyamory, you're saying these are my romantic relationships, and they come as a priority to me, but they don't affect one another and then in a relationship anarchy you're saying everybody that I know and I love are same, and I'm not making a distinction between sexual ones, platonic ones, um, familial ones that my relationship all the relationships are, are, are um, on one level, and they don't affect one another. does anybody want to add it? relationship anarchy? <laughs>
11: Yeah, what does that look like?
1: What does so? What does racial anarchy look like? We did a podcast. We did a podcast on this. <laughs> so right? listen, uh, so we so did a podcast on this. It's actually, it, it, yeah, it, it's a, it's probably one of the most popular ones. So, um, it's when people um really um experience people in the moment and for who they are. So they 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 reject even this idea of like calling people um like my partner or my boyfriend or my lover, you know. Um, We even had the conversation about, like, what do you call people, right? And and they were, like, friends, you know, or their name, right, their name. Um, and, And the idea is that you're just being in the moment with the person with what's available, and you're not sort of taking it any further than that. And you're making space for everyone, um in, in whatever is available in that relationship.
5: And it also means the most level of autonomy. So th- where right now, if you have a partnership where you may need to check in, you meet someone tonight, you want to go and spend the night, you may need to call somebody and say, hey, are you comfortable with this? How do you feel about this? In relationship anarchy, there's not necessarily that level of permission And it doesn't mean that they don't take everyone's feelings into consideration. So everyone who they love, they figure out what that dynamic looks like, but there is less of an expectation that there's potentially checking in. One of the panelists described it almost as having a swimming pool and where some people have like and swimming hours are So say, you know, synchronized swimming is from this time to this time. You bring your children at this time. Clothes optional at this time. Relationship anarchy is there's one pool. If you want to swim in the shallow side, that's over there. If you want to swim in the deep side, that there are no constructs and rules around timing of things. It all just exists. And everyone in it is figuring that out along the way without those kinds of guidelines. Um, I do
1: recommend that you, um, listen to the podcast on it. It it was, we had a, we had a bunch of people who, um, spoke about their experiences and answered all of those questions. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's on the, it's on the, like you're going on the rare fringer side of things,
5: right? Um, (laughs) yeah <laughs> so you wanted to talk about um and does it mean that one person's needs are more important right. okay okay hierarchical
1: relationships there there are a, a couple of ways of going about this right in my practice when i'm working with people the hierarchy um as i said it, the important thing is not to um make it personal and not about the ranking the people in order of who you love and who you um, care for and who you prioritize, but really looking at needs um, and making sure that everyone's needs are being met. Right? Um, if you're in a hierarchical relationship, sometimes it's um and and by the way, it, it is more common um, because we do have biologically we do have a sense for pair bonding. Right? It is it is in our biology to pair bond. So the idea that that the sort of um, Pair bonding happens, or couples happen, and then they sort of open up is kind of most natural le- path of least resistance, right? And that's why this tends to be more common. Um, the non-hierarchy stuff, um, what I find is that um, people who practice non- non-hierarchy, there's some of them, they think about it as... Um, like a flat structure, which is like everybody sits around the table, you have an open conversation, a decision ma- decisions made all together, and then you kind of act out and you execute whatever you've des- you've decided as a group. That's one way of doing it. Another way of doing it is sort of almost on the anarchy side where it's full autonomy, right? So people are like, you're not checking in with everyone. You're not prioritizing, like calling home to this person or that person. You're not checking in with one person and not the other. Um no permission asking, no veto power, very autonomous people, so still connected to one another. So there's like two, there's a couple of ways of, of, of doing that.
5: So, one thing I think that's important, so for the folks in the room who are interested in continuing to learn about this stuff, if you study nonviolent communication, That would be a recommendation. We did a workshop on that and we live streamed it. So the video is available so you can watch it. But in nonviolent communication, it talks about violent communication comes from each of us trying to pit ourselves against each other because it is rooted in our strategy to meet our needs. And that distinction between strategy and needs is a big core of what you're talking about in terms of the hierarchy. Our needs are a need for connection, a need to be seen, a need to be validated, a need, a need for shared expectations. Our strategies around that are you can't see anybody else or Tuesday nights are just for me. or not in the bed or you, it's all the ways you are trying to protect yourself. You're creating guidelines to protect yourself in order to meet your needs It takes a lot of work to let go of the strategy and just talk about the need and say, I need connection and let's talk about together how we develop a strategy so that I can feel connected. But that's the distinction. It's understanding in all your partnerships, what are all the needs that are on the table and how potentially are we having a conversation where people's needs are getting met as opposed to imposing strategy around how someone's needs are going to get met. Right, exactly. And I think... Um
1: a lot of the people a lot of people who are sort of embarking on this and thinking about hierarchy it is it is often especially at the beginning and people who are like um imposing strict hierarchy um often at the base of it is there's an insecurity um like Jack said they're trying to meet a need or trying they're either trying to um meet a need or prevent something right so it's either fear based they don't want they they don't want to be left behind they don't want to be left out um they don't want to be abandoned like things like fear of abandonment. Is a human feeling. We all have a fear of abandonment. Um, it's actually built into us um, for evolutionary reasons, right? Because it's safety in numbers. As we were evolving, we, knew, we know that if we weren't belong to a, a tribe, that chances, are, chances of survival is very low. You'd probably get eaten by a, a, a cyber-tooth tiger while you were sleeping because there was no, no one to keep watch, right? So we have a very primal instinct to belong, um, and to seek safety in numbers. And the flip side of that is the fear of losing that and fear of abandonment, right? So that's like primal built-in. Now, that primal feeling that's already built-in, plus whatever goes wrong in our childhoods, and it all does because to be human is to be flawed. So we are, our parents are flawed. It's just how we, the humans are made, Um That combined, then that fear is, for some people, it feels more acute, right? For some people, it's more of an acute feeling. It gets triggered easily, and they're kind of looking out for it and looking out for ways that they may be abandoned, right? Right. So when you put all that together, there is a fear and there's a need to, to, to hold on to things, to control things, to um to make sure that that abandonment is not going to happen. So how that then shows up is in this higher in this idea of hierarchy. This trying to control the situation to say I'm the most important and here are all the ways that I can prove to myself or or my partner can prove to me that I am the most important. I'm not going to be left behind. That's often what's at the base of this, like people who are um imposing
5: very very strict hierarchy. And also, I think it's important to say that none of this. As we're talking about hierarchy, it's not a hierarchy in polyamory that you should get to a place where everyone is relationship anarchy and everyone is prioritizing themselves. And if you're in a relationship where, be it triggered from fear, be it triggered from preference, there's a set of guidelines between you and your partners and that works for everybody and everyone is thriving, then do that thing. Mm It's not about pushing yourself to be like, well, we could be at a place where then, you know, all our needs being better. We sit around every Sunday and have brunch and discuss all the need. If that's not going to work for it, then don't do that. But it's more if you are with a misaligned potentially and the, where as I was with my wife at that time and and she felt like her feelings for for this other person were essentially that she would be committed and married to this woman as well had she the luxury to do that and wanted to validate the relationship in that way. And it was my fear that was stopping that. It was me saying, no, no, I need, to, I need everyone to know that I'm the one and she needs to know that I'm the one, like at the end of the day. And, and I, it was rooted in the fear. So the self-work that I did was around me being more comfortable in myself and in the relationship so that I could thrive in that relationship with my wife. Had she been fine with it, we may never have gone on that journey and been in that place because we were aligned in what we wanted. So I wanted to name that to say for the high achievers in the room, like don't worry, you don't need to like achieve each status of like open, find the, the place that works for you guys, and then stay there if it works. And then if it's mismatched, then it's, you can continue to work on it.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's, it's in that it's in finding what you're thriving in. like right? going back to that. So if you're finding that you're imposing what we're going back to saying, imposing hierarchy, Um, because of a fear, right, address that and not address it so that you can move into being a non-hierarchical situation, but address it so that you're not led by fear, right? There are definitely healthy and valid um, uh, reasons why people choose to be in in, in a hierarchical relationship. There's nothing wrong with a hierarchical relationship as long as it's coming from a healthy desire to this is what we're creating in the world. This is what we agree and this is what we want to create in the world and this is the the, the relationship design that we want to have, and then invite other people into it um and 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 have these agreements in place, right not from fear but from a desire to create right does that does that distinction make sense
7: um so it's interesting the comment that you had earlier, I was thinking about that because I am married, and i I have a boyfriend who's not married and he's single. Well, no, he's not single. He's with me, but um, (laughs) he's not married. Um, But it's definitely been hard for me, actually. It's been hard for me because I I think I, for a while, actually did forget about myself a little. So, you know, I really didn't want him to feel that he wasn't as important to me as, say, like my husband. And the... (laughs) I I still even trying to figure that out now. So I think in the beginning, I really wanted to be more open. I studied relationship anarchy. I kind of, you know, I tried to figure out what that was and really wanted him to be free to do whatever he wanted. We call ourselves open. Um, But then, you know, he started... Like when I don't know, he was confident and he's like starting to meet people and like got a new job and like really started to meet people and like started to like hook up with people like right away. And I freaked out and and I was trying to be so OK with everything and like just, be, well, I'm married. I got to let him do that. And I think he even felt that a little. He even said it, it was like probably like six or seven months of like torture Um until we could finally come to a better place where we were reconnecting again. We, we lost connection for a long time. Um, and then, you know, he kind of even admitted, well, yeah, maybe I felt like I needed to do something because I wasn't with somebody like, like married. Um, and and he felt like he just needed to go out and do that. And that was really hard. And I don't think he even really thought like what his structure really needed to be with me with other people. Um, And and then and then that was like, the whole thing was this huge reality check for me on learning to love myself and like understanding jealousy and like, like what that was. I I did tons of like workbooks. Mm -hmm. I I just it was awful.
4: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was was just like it didn't work. It was like.
7: I lost, like, 15 pounds. It was the most stressful time of my life, actually. And it felt really bad because, like, this is just my boyfriend and my, my poor husband's, like, what is happening? And then I, and him and I didn't, like, really talk too, too much about the major problems I was having with him because at that, I mean, we've been talking about this for a couple years and practicing this for years, but it, even for him was still hard to see me being in pain over another guy, like another person, and then and then I didn't want to hurt him, so I didn't talk to him about it. <laughs> so, but then, like, I am not present in my life for a long time, and it was really hard, and I travel a lot for work, so I, I was really away and by myself a lot, and my boyfriend's off with this person, and then dealing with that drama, and then, and then there's, like, another person, and then there's, like, another person, and it's like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then... And then I just also had to learn to be patient and love myself and just be calm. And I couldn't fix everything right away. And maybe I just needed to pause and wait and just let things work, at, work itself out. And then I don't know, this is a long process, but we were starting to connect again. But now that's making me really think like, what, how we really define our relationship. And I, I just felt like it wasn't fair for me to take, like, I'm, well, you're a girlfriend and I'm a priority. Like, because I think I asked him when he first hooked up with someone, first time or something, and it was just, I was like, well, can I be your primary girlfriend? And he actually was like, no, you can't. Like, because you're married. I don't know. It was weird. And I don't think he knew what he was talking about either. But now it's, it, it, now I think that we're, we're back in a better place and we can kind of talk about it and I'm not so afraid. I think I was afraid of my needs. Because if I express my needs, what if they don't care about my needs? That means they don't care about me. Am I worth it? So worth, self-worth was a huge study, and it's like, well, fuck them, like, whatever. If he doesn't care about me that much, if I can't express my need and say that I need to be important somehow and create, maybe we do need to create some kind of hierarchy, then, um, well, well then he doesn't really matter because I should matter the most. So... It, this this is interesting. So I'm trying to, fi- we're trying to figure out like how we are, I, I, I guess it's polyamorous. I, I I don't know. Like we have this unit. We actually have had this relationship check-in with this four of us, which was like a year ago prior to him having relationships. And it was interesting to us to get to this point. It was like really kind of cool, but I was controlling a lot of it. And then then I just lost complete control. I mean, just say thank you for sharing the story. Just, honestly, and number
5: one, it resonates with me. But I think even if you're not in that particular situation, the feeling of deprioritizing your needs to meet the needs of now the growing people that you are caring about or or, or, or engaged with, I think is real. Yeah. And so we should talk more after. But yes, yeah, all I, I of that. I did the
7: nonviolent communication talk here. And that was, I was like in the midst of like... <laughs> um, so can i can i
1: um before can i ask you a question can, I, can you keep the yes. mic?
7: i, I want to ask a quick question
1: because you said um i want to make a couple of comments and i asked you a question because i just want to sort of unpack some of this when you said you what you maybe you want is some sort of hierarchy right because you just said you know maybe we, i need some sort of hierarchy i'm curious to what you think it looks like when you say that, when you imagine that, when you're like, I think I need some sort of hierarchy. Like, what are you imagining it looks like?
7: Yeah, I, you're, I don't know. I'm just using the word hierarchy. But sure. but yeah, yeah like, um, I should, uh, with my relationship with my husband, we have prioritizing our time. Mm-hmm. And we're, I mean, we're really good at co-parenting. Mm-hmm. So that's like kind of a hierarchy mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. then with my boyfriend, I mean, I need time. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. need like dedicated time. Mm-hmm. And... That's very, very important and quality time, but then also friend time. But then, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of think like he hasn't developed relationships that seem to be interested in having a relationship with him, like long-term, like he's, Mm -hmm. they're kind of like couple like mm-hmm. quick things or something mm-hmm. and then the people realize they want to be monogamous with somebody mm-hmm. else so I, I don't know Sure. Yeah. um <laughs> yeah so this
1: time piece is really interesting and i'm you know I, i'm sort of not surprised that i'm hearing this from me because something that comes up a lot is now even with this idea of hierarchy right it's there really isn't an hierarchy in terms of feelings right if you think about it we love is love it's a feeling um like I'm British, so I say fancy. Like you fancy somebody, you fancy somebody. It's not like you fancy somebody more than somebody else. So you don't like like the feelings don't necessarily come in that kind of I love this person more than the other person, right? It's 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 um it's a language issue that we we say, I love this more than this. And and in in English and most modern languages, we only have one word, love, and we love ice cream, we love our partners, we love our parents, and some of us love God all with this one word, right? And if you look at the ancient languages like Latin and Greek, they actually have multiple words for love, right? Because they can distinguish a, the connection in a different way. So now we just use love. So you love your partner ice cream, right? And you're like, well, no, I obviously love my partner more than ice, ice cream. Well, it depends on the date, but, you know. Um, so when we when we think about it in that way, then we' like, well how do i then how am I then more valuable than ice cream right and how am I then more valuable than this other person? how am I valued? how is my value showed so often um, especially with with non monogamy and polyamory um, it ends up being uh, about time right because what we end up doing is that the one measurable and the most valuable thing that we have is time right it's it 's the only thing that is um, you can't get back. So what we end up doing is that we map this idea of love onto this idea of time, right? And you're then going, well, this person loves me, You know, this person gets more time, and this person gets less time, and then we end up using time as a way to sort of use, um, as a way to hier- set up hierarchies, right? And it's, it's not in the feeling, but it's in the execution is where the hierarchical dynamics show up. Does that, does that make sense? So I think when you are, so and I think when you are thinking about hierarchy, it's important to separate um, feelings, right? Like you, you, the chances are you do love all your partners. Like there's that's why you're with them. There's affection. There's you know, there's connection. There's um, uh, calling, right? And and the chances are they're kind of s- similar feelings, same feelings. It's the way they manifest and the way they're executed is where the differences are. And then it becomes just about practicality, right? And if you can separate those in your head, then it doesn't become so much about your value and how much you're loved and how much you're valued, but really just a practical execution around life and life choices. Does that, does that raise that your attention?
0: Uh, I'm gonna disagree with you on a few things. Okay. Uh, first of all, I, I think the kind of the elephant in the room that we're not talking about, we talk a lot about love, but I think the stronger power of how we connect here is sex i think the sexual drive is far greater than our concept of love and i think uh you present a great uh question you know i i was hurt when he did this and why do i feel he should account to me first well because you had sex with him and i believe that when you have sexual union with somebody there's a power that goes beyond your logic. It goes beyond your ability to speak intellectually about how you feel that person. There's something in the exchange of that sexual energy that immediately bonds you to that person. And that bond becomes time framed, not in terms of how much time you spend, but in terms of chronological, the chronological time in which that happened. So when that bond is there and it's already established, all right, and then. The next day, somebody comes into your life and says, hey, I want in. Well, he's not coming into just you. He's coming into a bond that you've already established with someone, and that bond has to be acknowledged. If it's not acknowledged, if it's ignored, and if it's ignored by either person, that will will not have a good success rate because somebody's being left out. So it's not about so much abandonment, it's about exclusion and inclusion. If we're not including all the energies and partners that are making up that person as she is at that moment, we're excluding someone. And now you're in a relationship where somebody had to be replaced. Somebody had to be excluded. And I think relationship doesn't... Now, somebody has to pay the price for that. And that price has to be paid in a relationship that now carries guilt. Oh, well, you and I are together, but he's left out or she's left out, and... I kind of feel bad about it, but I still want this with you, and I'm going to stick to my ideals of what, what happened. It's, and it's not acknowledging the actual connections there. The other thing I'd like to, you know, you, you said you were a serial cheater. It, it doesn't sound to me like you were a serial cheater. It sounds to me like you were a serial non-communicator of what you wanted to do before doing it. Oh, sure. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. So that's 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 to me a lot different. It's a communication of, it's an issue of communication and not necessarily of infidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, so if, if we look at that in terms of what communication has to happen, it, it really does come down to communication. And I'll just say one last thing. One of the first people that we interviewed way back in 19, almost 1999, was uh, Deborah Annapole. She created the book uh, Love Without Limits, and I think she's the one who actually coined polyamory. I mean, it existed in, it's a combination of a Greek and Latin derivative, but she's the one that made it popular, and uh, just just to put all your mind at ease, you know, when when uh, she gave her lecture and gave her talk, we went out to lunch, and I said, so, wow, this is great. You've got this whole thing worked out, and she goes, "In truth? I haven't got a clue.
8: Mm-hmm. Of course.
0: So that's a woman who's expert at this, who's written two books, and to this day, I mean, she's not alive anymore, but... Uh, that's the subject that we're dealing with. But I think we can get really, just in last note to this, that I think if we take into account the bond that's created through, because we haven't, you know, I haven't heard sex once. <laughs> that, that We said, you know, we've talked about, I have a loving relationship, but we haven't really said the truth of it. I've been intimate. I've fucked this person. I've gotten into raw, raw hot sex with them. And there's a bond that's been created. And that just doesn't turn off. It's there. It's in my loins now. It's in my whole energy pattern and if i'm going to meet somebody i've got to carry that to that person so in that sense there's got to be a acknowledgement we don't have to call it hierarchy but there's got to be an acknowledgement of those that came before you and if we don't we are always going to deal with somebody having been included or excluded in that process um
1: i yeah i mean i think what you're saying really resonates with me um the only thing that i would add is Within the polyamorous community, um, you know, th- what you'll hear a lot of people say, that it's not just about sex, or it's not all about sex, right? And I think what what I was surprised when I sort of met the community and um, did my research and got to know people is that how, how much um, asexuality is prevalent within the polyamorous communities. People who don't have a sexuality, who don't have sexual urges. Um, and the reason why they find a home within polyamorous structures is because they can be in relationships where the sexual urges can be with some people, somebody else and there could still be a bond and a connection that isn't sexual and still a solid um, relationship. So I, I agree with everything that you're saying, that sexuality, being, having sex with somebody is a bond and it needs to be honored. i just adding also within polyamory, there's a lot of space for um, relationships without necessarily a sexual connection.
0: Absolutely. And if I could just say one thing about that, and that is that we live in modern times where we aren't tribal. We do not live, we live in nuclear situations where we bring our partners home, we live in our own home, we meet other people on the second floor or third floor, but we don't have a tribe where we have that connection where sexuality is not the core. It's it's union and and uh, everybody supporting one another in their survival needs, other parents taking care of other children, uh, love happening you know not being that so i i think i think that's that uh when we talk about that asexuality i think it's a it's a uh it's a reaction to the missing tribe that uh we've lost we don't have it in our culture and i think a lot of this interesting conversation comes about because we're trying to figure out how do we have that tribe back but under a culture where uh you know tribes aren't supported you know and i so I, I think the conversation is great But I think if we, if we also look at to, you know, if we, if we look at this as also a cultural evolution, uh, I don't think ever in our time, have we ever been able to talk about orgasm and sexuality in this context 10 years ago, we couldn't do that. So the culture is evolving and we're, we're, we're evolving with it, but there are also the aspects of sexuality that brought each one of us here. Every one of us came through a, our mothers. And there was a mother and father that had sex. So there's a certain hierarchy right away for that child. There's a certain hierarchy that's going to take place. Even even when that child has a first, second, or third sibling, there's, there's a first son number one, daughter number two, daughter number three. There's a certain order of hierarchy that needs to be honored that, of course, the Chinese communities and the Asian communities have known for, for, for centuries. And they honor it, and because of that, they have a certain harmonious... Uh, order of how they're how they support one another in that family structure
5: can I respectfully push back on your pushback
0: <laughs> yes, please, please. I love um,
5: it. so I think from my personal experience I'm going to speak as opposed to kind of poly preaching I'll speak just for rooted in my own experience um, the relationship with my wife and her partner is non-sexual so they have a romantic connection they it's not it wasn't a sexual relationship at the time and those feelings were still strong enough that they it felt like validating some sort of commitment. And I've had sexual experiences that didn't feel like it ranked to the point of prioritizing people outside of our experience in that moment what did resonate with me about what you said though I think is the aspect of feeling seen I think that when I felt like I was afraid of non-hierarchy it felt like the connection or communication or rules or life that we have created would not be seen or validated by anybody else that I wanted to be acknowledged as having had precedent that we have made to sit. That I was. A, you are who you are in part because of me. That us in partnership have created who we are up into this moment. And they are the beneficiary of me, and thus must acknowledge me, right? Like, like you better have a good. Relationship. I would like a thank you note at the end of the day. You're welcome for this person that you're seeing who I've helped. You know, help them grow, and so I think that part resonated with me around that. There's sometimes these established connections, and the fear around that is. Like you're, you're not, are you telling them about me? Are we going to, are we the meet? Do they know who I am? Do they know that you wore that shirt because I picked it? Like, do they know? Do they know about who I am? And I think that would, that fear. So that part resonated. I think that, that I, I have to wrap my round mind around that other stuff, but that part resonated.
2: That's all really interesting. Um, all right. I'm going to talk about sex. So I'm having amazing sex right now with someone like Legendary. incredible yeah. off the chart sex. <laughs> and I think one of the things that we're, maybe talking about here is when that happens you have this expectation that they're going to care about what else you're doing you just said it basically <laughs> so when you meet someone when you have this incredible connection with someone and you have this amazing sex and they want to see you again it's not a one off it's not a you know a one night stand like you want to continue this connection and they say to you you know, they don't, they're not like, when can I see you again? We need to make a plan for the next time I'm going to see you. And they say things like, I don't care who else you're seeing. I don't care what else you're doing. Oh, you don't have to worry about telling me about the girl that you're seeing and the sex you're having with her. Like, oh no, you can tell me anything. As long as you're happy and you're thriving and you're enjoying yourself. I'm psyched. Like when you meet this person who, and I think you're experiencing this right now, who is an alien, like anyone you've ever met, right? You've had this incredible connection with this person. You're having great sex. You're clearly connected and connecting on many levels, intellectually, right? Um, and your time together is incredible. And they don't want you to account for when they're going to see you again, what you're going to be doing, who you're going to be seeing, and they don't experience any jealousy. You think something's wrong here. And it's just that they're this really rare person who's been through whatever they've been through in their life and done all these things that didn't work for them and had all this possessiveness in some kind of monogamous relationship that didn't work for them. And they've arrived at a place where they're like, I need to do my thing and be who I am and you need to do your thing and be who you are. And I love hanging with you, but I don't have expectations of you. You've met an alien like that and so have I. And it's like the initial reaction is like, oh, fuck, I'm not important to this person. They don't care when they're going to see me again. They're not saying, ne- so next Sunday, or am I seeing you next Sunday? But another possibility is this person is really into you and wants you to be happy, and they want to be happy too, and they don't want to impose any rules on you. And they are going to show up and be really present when they're with you, but they don't want you to impose any rules on them either that might push them away and make them not want to be with you. I've met an alien like that, and it sounds like you have too. And it's just so weird, we're so not used to it, that we can't go... How fucking lucky am I that I met this person who doesn't want to do this whole rule thing with me and impose on me and I get to go live my life. And when we come together, it's electric and amazing, but we don't owe each other accountability. I'm going to be with so-and-so on this night and I'm going to see that. And it's just, it's so unusual that we don't know how to deal instead of just going, wow, like, instead of experiencing gratitude, the initial knee-jerk first reaction is, I'm not important to this person. And I think maybe that's not true.
4: I was going to say that I'm kind of like that alien where I just, like, if I'm with a woman, I don't, like, I don't care because, um, not necessarily I don't care, but it doesn't matter because we're just having fun and doing our thing. But as far, I think when it, when it, when it's concerned with hierarchy, I think what happens is I I can speak for myself that if I meet a woman and we have sex, maybe one or two times we hang out, it's like, okay, we're just chilling. We're hanging out and it's whatever. But if I start to see you and we keep seeing each other, you know, for like a year, maybe year and a half, then it becomes like, you know, this hierarchy thing in my mind where let's say you meet someone new. And then I want to hang out with you one day. And it's like, oh, but I knew you longer. So I should get priority. You know what I'm saying? So I'm wondering, like, what does that mean in the context of when we're talking about hierarchy? And also I had one other question is that, is there is there a thing where it's like you're kind of forced to be in a hierarchical situation? So for example, you have kids and you have a husband. So it's like, well, I got to spend more time with my husband for certain situations. And then how does that affect your boyfriend? Because he's probably saying like, well, all right, well then I guess, you know, I'm not important. I gotta go do my thing. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I was just wondering what it was.
1: I mean, Jackie, you, you have a daughter, right? And I think we talked about this just before we did the this we the started as there are some natural um hierarchies that are built in. You know, for example, if you're co living with somebody, cohabiting with somebody, um, there's some natural hierarchy in terms of, you know, bills comes before dates, probably. You know, like right, or if you have a kid Um, probably the kid comes before boyfriends right, or girlfriends or partners and
5: even marriage. That's a conflict right now that my girlfriend and I are having that I am married and we love each other in the type of way where we would be committed and married, but I am married already. And so, and we've talked about having commitments and doing a ceremony, and at the end of the day, that title, that certificate is a barrier, saying, but I can't have that thing that you have, so it will never be even. It will never be the same. And so even just those natural kind of legal, and we will have Diana Adams, by the way, in October, who is a lawyer who does a lot of work around this, who will talk about all the ways in which we can navigate the legal system to create any kind of relationship structure, hopefully, that we can. Um, but that in and of itself is a barrier.
1: Yeah,
5: sure. And I think it's also, ne- like we
1: talked about the time attrition, right? You're saying mm-hmm. you've been with somebody, you've sort of, uh, you made a bunch, with with that you've also made a bunch of assumptions, right? You, you've you settled into the relationship as it is, you've made it, you're now making a bunch of assumptions that that person's available to you three days a week, you're on your usual days or whatever. And then, and I think sometimes what we need to do is what I call clearing cash, right? That's, that, that as the relationship developed, you got into a groove and you, um, now you're making some assumptions of how available this person is. And it's, you know, unless you're checking in with the person, it's essentially in your head.
4: No, but what if it actually is a thing? Like we like, we meet every Tuesday or or Thursday or whatever. And then it's like you meet someone new and then you're like, oh, can I see him on Tuesday? I'm like, no, we we see each other on Tuesday. You uh-huh. see what I mean? So that's what I mean. Like we've we've had an established thing. So isn't that a hierarchy within itself because we've established that? So then when I'm so then it's like if you meet someone new. And then you're putting—it's like you're putting them above me because mm-hmm. we've already established this. You see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then so it's then I'm like, okay, we got to break up now.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. So,
4: Nah, but that, but then I, I wouldn't like that because I'm like, this is because like, the renegotiation to me means that you're putting the person above me. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's how I. That's how I look at it.
1: See, <laughs> so, do you do you in, in your in your sort of ideal situation that these things are locked down and they're
4: never t- they're never. T- yeah, it's like that till we die. Aha!
7: <laughs> Aha! Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh, wow!
4: Every Tuesday, yeah. the Every rest of, of, the, our rest lives. of our the rest of our life. lives. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah,
1: Um, that's like um somebody somebody recently um described somebody who's very very new and dabbling into this described polyamory as serial, um, multiple monogamy. Uh, which i thought was a really they were just coming out of like a lifelong um uh monogamous relationship and they're just moving into this i'm finding out about this for the first time and their initial response their initial comment was like oh polyamory is just multiple monogamy which is kind of how you're dealing with it you know that's that's what it reminds me of that it's like each relationship is a kind of monogamous but they're like
5: on on Tracks next to one another. What I hear, though, as a through line between both of these comments is what we are seeing as markers for being important. Mm-hmm. So jealousy is a marker that I am important. Staying, remaining committed to something that we agreed upon is a marker for why I'm important. I am married to the alien, so mm-hmm. I... You know, we've had many conversations where I was like, your partner can't your girlfriend can't even go in the bedroom. She's like, you can have sex on the bed. Just change the sheets. And I'm like, that's crazy. (laughs) Right. Like you let me do. And I'll push I'll be like, I'm going to hang out on Monday and Tuesday. She's like, have fun. And Wednesday and Thursday. Enjoy. And Friday and Saturday. She's like, bring leftovers. And I'm like, what's going to right?" like you keep like being like, where's the thing that's going to. Because we have been conditioned to believe. Right. That. You should be mad, and you should care, and you should prioritize, and you should. And it is generations upon generations of conditioning. So you're not gonna get it right away. One book or podcast will not do it, right? And so it is deciding whether or not we have the resilience to keep pushing back on that over and over and say, that's not the thing. And for a long time, it will feel real crappy that they, cho- that they decided to hang out on a Tuesday or that they're not being jealous um i personally experience that all the time so i want to say it from a place of experience that it feels like no you should care and but why it feels
2: amazing i'm like That's, i want to get to that place i that i found someone who i don't I'm have to like it. tiptoe around you know i had sex with someone else he's like great <laughs> you know like my attitude around this has shifted so much that i'm like oh sorry, sorry. Um, you know, like, how lucky am I that I met the alien? <laughs> you know, it's going to bubble up. Wait, wait, we have nothing on the calendar. Do you want to see me again? That stuff is going to bubble up because, yes, it's a marker of I'm important. But the reality is the connection that we experience when we're together trumps all that, you know? Like, the quality of the time we spend together Trump's all that, and, like, I actually feel like I'm the, you know, the lucky mm-hmm. winner mm-hmm. in that I've, I met the alien, yeah. and that means that I actually don't have to carry around shame and guilt about anything I do, because as long as I'm a good human being to him while I'm with him, um, and I don't say I'm going to do something, like, show up and then not show up, you know, or, you know, like or just behave badly like it's all good yeah. so I actually don't I'm not like at first I was like huh you know because it's just so unexpected you think you have to tiptoe and sort of not you know tell half truths and sort of test the water before you share too much and then it turns out no, this person totally is not going to be paced by anything and it's all good it's like now I feel
5: really. And confident. I think part of the anecdote to the conditioning is the strategy that Effie shared with me and shares around what's the story that's in your head. Mm-hmm. And so when I confront that moment of like, oh, and I, and, and I think we walk around with the story and we're acting and strategizing around the story as opposed to just naming. So the story in my head is that you don't care that I can have sex in our bed, that I can hang out any night and that you just don't care. And when I eventually had that conversation, the story was clarified. I do care. And it makes me uncomfortable, but we have lived our entire lives trying to accommodate to other people. I will not do that to you. And once I was able to have that conversation and understand that was the intention, it still feels weird to me, but naming the story and say, I don't feel valuable because you don't seem to care. And the response being, I do care and I'm working hard every day to create a space where you can do anything you want without me having to be accountable to me. It changed it, but it took the courage of naming it of Feeling vulnerable and saying it. And at the core of it is self self-worth and self-value. And I think it's
1: even harder for women, they have another degree of, of hardship around it because we have been conditioned that our value comes from our interaction with men, right? Because like historically, you you know, we didn't have status or or our own, you know, until very recently, our own finances and status, unless you were attached to a, a man. So we still have, even though 2016, you know, third wave now, fourth wave of feminism. There, it's still in our in our culture, in our in our um, psyche that that external validation is where we measure our value. And I think that's it. All boils down to that. It's like, oh, you, we're looking for behavior, we're looking for strategies, we're looking for markers that goes, oh, yes, I'm valued, yes, I'm loved, right? And I think a lot of the work that you've done is about you were saying about like that's where that's where it gets resolved, right? It's, it, you 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 resolve all that that turmoil by figuring out the self-worth stuff. That you're not then looking at this behavior and constantly checking in with yourself. Does that mean I'm loved? Does that mean I'm valued? Does that mean I'm cared? Rather than like, I am cared, I am valued, um, and this is just what's available in this relationship. That has nothing to do with my self-worth. I don't need to be prioritized in this very specific way that that I've like designed in my head where I get like, phone calls to like twice a, you know twice a, a week and then text messages every night like these things that so that I can feel whole that I can feel worthy um is not about hierarchy it's about self worth right it's about trying to it's trying to, to 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 ease the pain uh, and i think if we keep designing around with external stuff to ease the pain um it's not going to be a healthy structure you kind of we kind of had to figure out a way to ease the pain And then design the relationship in terms of creation. Like, what are we trying to create in the world? Not what we're trying to prevent.
10: Topic about open relationships, sex, and whatnot. I just wanted to throw this out there, like, my own experience, especially for those that are, like, new to the open relationship scene. I would love others to back me up if they got this, too. But one of the best things that I love about it is not actually sleeping around, but rather when I go back to my wife, and we're in bed culling and just gossip about the crazy different mannerisms that other people have or what we learn to bring over into the bedroom, or just it, it, I just wanted to paint like that side because I don't think that that's not something you get to experience until you actually get to go through it, and it's fun it, it's really enjoyable, so maybe see some nodding heads or whatnot. maybe that's been your experience too, but yeah, throw it out there
5: so being able to to connect on the experience itself
10: yeah connecting on the experience and also making sure that there's communication both ways it's like oh what you did back there that wasn't cool. Or, oh yeah i'm totally comfortable with that next time you don't need to ask me for permission and all of that stuff yeah.
1: um that's great and actually um being able to bond over that stuff like crossing over the compersion this is idea of compersion have you heard of this idea of compersion anybody who's does anybody know what compersion is some people okay so this compersion this idea of um some people talk about it as being opposite of jealousy um it's actually an old old idea um it's sympathetic joy joy for somebody else for the joy that they, that they're having that has nothing to do with you so your partner coming your wife coming home from a really good date having had awesome sex and you're like amazing good for you like that's compersion and and that those conversations that you're having seems like feels very compersive like you're gossiping over like all the good times. It's very compulsive. um so that's that's awesome energy, awesome dynamic. It made me um th- it made me sort of think of also it's worth mentioning the dark side of that, right? And the dark side of that is this idea of couple's privilege. is it really hard to add of couples privilege? you you, you probably is, it's coming up for you, right? Um, and this idea of couples privilege is that if you are if you are uh, if you're operating in the world as a couple and you're opening up and you're sort of allowing um other people in. That The idea that as a couple, you have privilege over the other relationships. And it comes, sometimes comes with a side of veto power. Maybe people have this idea of veto power. That one of the party, one of the couple gets to say no, gets to shut it down without any um, discussion, without any conversation. They say, not this person, not anymore. And therefore, that relationship has to end. So these are some of the darker side of, of, of uh, hierarchical relationships. Um, again, at the core of those, there's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of need to control, a um, need to feel important that you got something like you can throw down something like a veto power. Um, these do exist. Um, it's not what it's not what um, Jason is talking about. J- Justin, it's not what Justin talking about that. that, that compulsive sharing is great dynamic. The dark side of it is when you also get the rule over the auxiliary relationship, the other relationships is when it's not healthy, but it's not a good idea. And it's also just unkind. It's not fair. It's not fair on the people who are coming into that relationship. That it is, um that they are it shows up as them being disposable and an important in a way that you can just you can just get cut out and then get to say in it. So that's something worth sort of thinking about even when you're in a hierarchical relationship.
5: You also wanted to give a, a warning about um sharing if in terms of couples privilege not being the person who is relaying.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. The other um the other aspect to think about is <clears throat> let's say you're in a in a V, right? So you you I'm dating two people, right? Sometimes what happens is in a hierarchical relationship, well, my, let's say my wife and my boyfriend, right? So, well, we're in a hierarchical relationship. My wife um, gets, gets, you know, overrides everything to do with my girlfriend. Um, so sometimes what people find themselves is just relaying the information and saying, well, I can't see you Tuesday because my, my wife says no, right? That's not what's happening. You're not seeing this person because you've chosen, you've agreed to your wife saying, I don't want to, I don't, you know, not on Tuesday, when you find yourself, when you're, if you're reeling the information, you are essentially taking yourself out of the equation and you're just reeling the information back and forth, right? The, the truth is you're agreeing, and if you're not, you should be agreeing or disagreeing and having agreements, not rules, about how you're going to conduct those relationships. And then you take responsibility for that. And then when you have conversations, it's a conversation that you're having with this person, not as a, not as a proxy to your wife or the other way around. Does that does that make sense? So whatever the agreement, if you are in a hierarchical relationship, there's nothing wrong with them. Understanding the the boundaries of that relationship and then owning it, taking responsibility for it, and then negotiating it between you and and your your auxiliary partner, your auxiliary in that relationship is really important. That you're not just going because what ends up happening is people um it it's vilifying behavior, right? You kind of you don't take responsibility. You say it's not you know. It's not my doing. Like This person says so, therefore I do. Right? And that's not, that's not how relationships work. So if you're in a hierarchical relationship, these are some of the things that, these are the dark sides of it that you need to really watch out for. So couples privilege, veto power, and this relaying of information without taking responsibility.
0: Hmm. I just want to piggyback off another aspect of what you refer to as uh, the veto power. Um, it's also known as the one no vote. If 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 either of us say no, then it's just off the table. Uh, when I first heard that, uh, I asked, why. that's kind of unfair, but there's a, there's a different side to that too, and that is that if we come to an agreement that if either of us say no, then it's off the table, what I might do then is before I even present it as something that I want to do, I might offer something so irresistible in order for me to get what I want to that person that would totally blow their socks off that they would not possibly want to say no. So actually that rule can also apply, well, if we agree to do that and we're going to want something, before I approach it, before I put it on the table, I've gotta think of something that you just cannot irresistibly deny and make it so attractive to you that there's no way you're gonna say no. So I think it has also a positive Aspect to it. I, I know the veto power is one thing, but if if we think about it, how we prepare for that That the, the least possibility for that one note vote to happen I think it gives a lot of creativity on how how two people or three or people in a relationship can get their needs met Sure,
1: I think when I when when I hear you say that to me, that's like optimum agreement-making this idea of like really crafting the things that you want and agreeing on those things I think where I find the, the, the veto power one no power becomes dark and toxic is it's down the line when somebody feels triggered or insecure and something happens and it's like a, okay, we're shutting this down now. That's when it becomes a dark side. But I totally agree with you that when in the negotiation part of things, people think about oh, when I'm negotiating, it's going to be like hardcore negotiation. What makes it what what was, was a good negotiation is when you like wrap it up and you make it irresistible and you make it accessible you make it inclusive and that's how you um do a, do agreement like relationship agreements in that way so i totally agree with you it's it's when when it turns toxic is when it becomes an issue when it's rooted in fear when it's reactionary um is and, and, and then it becomes a, a, a bit
0: dark and then you have a, a resentment and a lose lose situation
5: exactly exactly burning questions any other, because I want to be mindful of time. So we're, we're going to hang out till 10 after this and, and you can ask questions individually, but it's 930 now. So I want to give a moment if there's anybody else that wants to share something in the room, a story, something that's resonated, a question that they have for the group. I want to offer up space for that.
3: Hi. I like that your comment was really good because I've kind of been like that person that that doesn't really care about all the other stuff. But then like, like what makes me, like what people like about me is accumulation of all the people That I'm dealing with so because of like society you know I've always been put in a position where I just had to conform especially like when you like when you feel a certain way about somebody and your actions are making them unhappy so it's just like okay I don't want to see you unhappy you know what I'm saying and it's like all right I can conform to this because it's not a super big deal you know what I mean but then like a part of me dies you know what I mean and I find like as the relationship goes on a year year and a half and and I can work on your needs but then my needs start to go away, and then, like, I wake up, like, two and a half years into a relationship, and it's like, yo, I don't know who I am anymore. And then I just, like, yo, I can't do this. And then, like, that usually throws a person off because, like, there's no problem. You don't argue. I'm not the person that argues or, you know, because, I like, the things that upset me are, like, are, like few, and far between, and it's, like, specific, and I'll let you know. Like, like you, you wore blue today. That's horrible. You know, don't, <laughs> don't wear blue. Not something like that, but just something really, like, straight to the point. And it's, like, either you want to do it or you don't either way i'm letting you know right but like the idea of like usually when i'm single you know i'm running around and i'm you know i have everybody's like you kind of said like which is hit me was some people have certain experiences that brought them this way so i wore a uniform for a long time and then i went through periods where i just lost a lot of people so like every time i meet somebody like that experience is very unique and i treasure it you feel me so it's like i don't care if we have sex or whatever whatever but like for whatever reason, there's 7 billion people on this planet, whatever. And we haven't crossed paths, right? I'm going to take this time to get to know you. And I see you now, like, in a crowd, in a crowd of a million. I see you, and I, I never stop seeing you. You know what I mean? So when I come into a relationship, girls have dated say, like, yo, you have, like, this tribe of, of people with you. But, I mean, ultimately, if you haven't done anything to hurt me, we just didn't work out. But it doesn't change who you are as a person. The things that I loved about you, I still love about you. I just can't go in the direction that you want to go into, but I still want you, I still would like to be around if you allow me to be around. And I find like, like hearing about it, cause you guys have given like names and like categorized behaviors that I've been exhibiting over the years. And it's kind of like cool and refreshing. You know what I mean? But like, I've always felt like the bad guy, because like, like you said, like, you know, people say like, yo, you should be a certain way. You know what I mean? And then the way you want me to be just, it doesn't make me happy. Like, I don't know how to explain it. You know what I mean? I don't want to, it's not about me running around being with a ton of people, but like people give me life. So the idea that you just want me to be with you, you're awesome, but you're only one person. And like, that's not how you met me type thing. You know what I mean? So I, I love your comment because I, I kind of like feel like, like I'm the, that person, but how you say you're happy about it for me has been like a curse because I look at my friends that have gone on and have like really good relationships and have kids and whatever, whatever. And I'm in my mid thirties and I kind of like, I want that. It's just, I don't want it in the way that you guys are doing it not you guys particularly, but like mainstream society because that doesn't make me happy and it makes me feel like I'm broken. Like, okay, maybe I'm the weirdo and I need to like, and that's what kind of like brought me out here because it's like, I feel like a total weirdo now Like, it's like in your 20s, it's kind of like cool because you are running around and they're like, oh man, you got all these girls and I'm just like, "Ah, oh, not really. I got people that I know. You know what I mean? It's not a super big deal. You know what I mean? But now in your 30s and I still have people that I know, but it's just like because of the way we are as a group, like these relationships just aren't like, I'm not going to change. So this is not a gimmick. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to do this because I'm trying to get laid. I don't, you know, I don't really have sex that much. You know what I mean? I just know a lot of people and I have intimate relationships with a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? So and then people try to change you and they're like, no, well, you should be this way. And it's like, I haven't been able to get past that point. Because regardless of how you come into it, and she might be super excited, like, oh, you're awesome. A year and a half, two years into it, she's like, we're still doing this? I'm like, yeah, this is, this is me. Like, what else do you want me to do? You know what I mean? And it's like, well, I want to do this. and like, I would do that too. But well, in order for us to do this, well, you got to do that. I'm like, well, that's not me though. That's you. And then we part we ways. So it's, it's funny to hear like from your side, because for me, it's like, I hate it. I totally hate it. If I, could t- if I could hang my hat up and do monogamy and be this quintessential wife, kid, two kids, dog, I'd be happy. Because where I am right now is like, I just feel like a total like outcast. And I can manage relationships, I can maneuver into them because I have a lot of experience, but I'm not meeting anybody that's on the same, like understanding as me. It's just, we're just playing a game, you know what I'm saying? And I I can play the game until you don't want to play the game anymore, you know what I mean? So I I like that, thank you.
1: Sounds like you're polyamorous, welcome. (laughs) Welcome. Um, And it sounds like you just haven't met uh, your your species. Uh, Read Mihalko says this um, uh, dating your species, right? It just means that you haven't met people who are subscribed to the same design as you do. Um, and and I'm sorry you haven't. I hope this will be like gateway. There are there's a huge community in New York City. There are plenty of people who are practicing non-monogamy or exploring it or just like curious about it. I think it's just about you you aligning yourself with those people so that you don't feel so much as an outcome.
5: So I, I'm i going to, because of time, I I do want to wrap, but we can talk more kind of socially about this. But I think it was actually a beautiful way to end. And there's a few things that I want to capture in what you said. I think this idea of I can conform, but I'm piece of me might die. I think we've all felt that way. And, and that's why we, we've led us to this room. I love this idea that you've talked about, about really seeing people and valuing, valuing the connection and understanding the valuable impact of all the people who we have experienced and connected with, and this concept of that we are not the bad guy or the outcast, that we are all trying to find our way, and that if we do that with kindness and trust and authenticity, that we may actually be able to land in a place of thriving. So with that, we wanna say thank you guys for joining. We're gonna hang out upstairs in here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Um, and stay curious.
1: Stay
5: curious.: Curious Fox
1: Podcast is not, and will never be, the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration, through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind, and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends.
2: Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.
1: Stay curious. Stay curious.
9: curious.